You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, it's Jean Chatsky. Before we start the show, I just want to say thank you for listening. Whether you've been with us from day one or you're coming to us for the first time, it means a lot to us. And we want to make sure we're producing the show you want, which is why we're conducting a very brief listener survey. You can find the link in the show's description graph or Head to hermoney.com slash survey to say thank you. We've got some prizes on the table, but it'll only take a couple of minutes and you'll reap the reward by hearing more of what you want. Now let's talk money. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. We want you to demand more from your money. So start by knowing what you own and owe. We'll help you take the next step at fidelity.com slash demand more now. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, everybody, it's Jean Chatsky. And since Valentine's Day is tomorrow, we decided to romance you with an entire show dedicated to, yep, your taxes. Oh, I know, I know you're thinking you shouldn't have, but we did and we should because this is going to be the first filing season that taxpayers will see the full effects of the tax reform law that was passed in 2017. And given that this was one of the biggest overhauls of the tax code in over 30 years, there will be a lot of changes. Will they affect you? We are going to help you find out. Our date for today and tax expert this week is Maggie Clockengay. She is senior advisor at Clayton Financial Group. They're an independent advisory firm in St. Louis. She's both a certified public accountant and a certified financial planner. And best of all, she is a longtime Her Money community member, which is how we met. Maggie, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Jean. Thank you for having me. It is our pleasure. So let me just jump right in. This year's tax filing season started January 28th, which for many, many IRS employees was also their very first day back to work after the government shut down. Some headlines are saying we should expect delayed refunds this year. That's all without the prospect of another shutdown. What's your take on how the shutdown affects this filing season? I definitely think it's going to affect this filing season. The IRS has already come out and said that they are weeks behind schedule on training the employees with all the new tax law and even in hiring employees. So unfortunately, I think it's going to slow down tax refunds to a lot of taxpayers. And and those are the professionals. A recent study from NerdWallet showed that many taxpayers just don't get it. They still don't understand the new law. In fact, only half, 51% of Americans were even aware that we had a new tax law in 2017, and nearly half don't get how it affects their tax bracket. So let's start right there. Tell me just the bare bones basics about this law that was signed in 2017. So Let's start with the name. It is the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and it was passed 
in late December 2017, and it really is the most significant changes in the federal tax code that we've had in really more than 30 years. It is more than 600 changes just to the individuals and businesses, and it's going to be extremely impactful when individuals are going to file their tax returns this year. So where people's personal finances were concerned, what were the big changes? What are the big line items? Overall, that would be lower individual tax rates. So the first thing is there are seven tax rates. There are still seven tax rates, but five of those rates are lower. And the highest tax rate, for example, of 39.6% was reduced to 37%. While this may seem great for all, there are some cases where taxpayers are in a higher tax bracket. So, for example, a mom who is filing head of household has taxable income of $160,000. In 2017, she was in the 28% tax bracket. But in 2018, she's in the 32% tax bracket. So, in other words, you're basically saying some people are going to find that they're paying more, not less. That's correct. There's also, and I know this is a very impactful change, there's also a new standard deduction, and it it basically doubled. Can you talk us through why that matters and what it looks like today? Yes, Jean, you're absolutely right. The standard deduction did double, and that really impacts taxpayers because before it was estimated about 30% of taxpayers were itemizing their deductions. So they were able to take more deductions than what the standard deduction was. Now, because that standard deduction has increased, has doubled, they're only estimating about 10% of taxpayers are going to be itemizing their deductions. I remember last January, the Treasury Department estimated that about 9 out of 10 employees would see a bump in their paychecks as a result of this. And I think a lot of that came from the change in the tax brackets itself. But that nerd wallet study, it said that fewer than one-third of Americans just even noticed an increase due to the new tax law. What did you see for your clients, and what does this all mean for our refunds? So our clients actually did notice. Um, They noticed more take-home pay for those who are working in jobs. And we even have some of our retired clients notice that their pensions increased because they were having withholding taken out of their pensions and their withholding reduced. As far as the tax refunds, for some, the change in taxes withheld from each paycheck really could put them at risk of overpaying or underpaying. And unfortunately, some aren't going to realize that until it's time to file for their tax return. Overpaying results in a bigger refund, but it essentially means you're giving the government an interest-free loan. Underpaying leaves you with a tax bill. Is this a time where it's too late to go back and adjust your withholding, or is that something that we should still go ahead and do if we haven't done it? You should absolutely go ahead and still do it. It's not going to help you for the 2018 tax year, year, but it will help you going forward for 2019 and beyond. 
Okay. All right. Let's shift the conversation a little bit. There's been a lot of talk about state taxes and people who are getting hit very, very hard by that piece of tax reform. And as a resident of New York State, I feel like I'm one of them. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. If you've heard that your New York friends are threatening to leave the state. Yes. It is I have the, heard yes. that. <laughs> yeah. It's because the new tax law put a cap of $10,000. It's $5,000 if married filing separately, but $10,000 for all other filing statuses on the amount of state taxes that you can claim on your itemized deductions. Now, why this is so major is it involves both your income and your property taxes. So like you said, for New York, this really impacts those individuals who live in states with high income tax rates or high property tax rates, and it's a double whammy for those who live in states that have both. And it's not just New York, by the way. New Jersey, California, right? I mean, I'm not the only one complaining. Oh, no. No, there's, yeah. It's just, it's really just affecting so many taxpayers. And this is where it all comes together, right? Because the deductions, and not just this deduction, but the mortgage interest deduction and other deductions have either been capped or reduced. Add that to the fact that the standard deduction has increased so significantly. And what you get is many people for whom it no longer makes sense to itemize, right? That's absolutely correct. When So my understanding is that itemizing has always been one of those things that saves you money if you can make the numbers work. You should do it if you're eligible to itemize. What's the strategy now as far as itemizing is concerned? That's a great question. So there are so many, like you said, there's been limits, there's been caps, there's been eliminations, all the miscellaneous deductions subject to 2% of your adjusted gross income have been eliminated. So one thing that we recommend to our clients is uh, a strategy called clumping and lumping, where you are lumping together your tax deductions and clumping together your charitable contributions. So there may be a year where you've go ahead and claim the standard deduction, but then the next year you lump and clump those deductions and charitable contributions in order to get above the standard deduction amount so you can itemize and then you itemize in that year. And then the following year you may file the standard deduction, et cetera. Let's dive very quickly into the mortgage deduction for a second because mortgage interest is a big thing to a lot of people. Right now, the limit on the amount of mortgage interest that you can deduct has been lowered to $750,000. Is that correct? That's right. Can you tell me what happened to the mortgage interest deduction? Because I know that's a big one for a lot of people. Yes. So the mortgage interest deduction, what happened was you were able to have acquisition indebtedness of $1 million, which- What does that mean, acquisition indebtedness? Acquisition indebtedness means that you use mortgage debt to buy, build, or substantially improve your home, and that debt is secured by your home. So it's it's what you borrowed. It's correct. Yes. It's, okay. And it was reduced from a million dollars to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's right. But if I already owned my home before the law was passed, it's still a million, right? 
That's correct. That's correct. If you had a mortgage before December 15th, 2017, or had a written binding contract before then, and you still bought the house by April 1st, 2018, you can still deduct interest on a mortgage up to $1 million. What what about the interest on my HELOC, on my home equity loan? Oh, that's been one that a lot of people have been misunderstanding, unfortunately. So the HELOC is the same as long as the HELOC proceeds are used to, again, buy, build, or substantially improve upon your primary residence or secondary residence. You can deduct the interest, but that interest has to be the HELOC loan and the mortgage has to be a total of $750,000. Okay. And if I'm using my HELOC to consolidate credit card debt or to pay for college or to buy a car or to go on vacation, I'm out of luck, right? You're out of luck. Okay. All right. We are going to jump to best practices for filing your taxes. But before we do that, let me just remind everybody, Her Money is proudly sponsored by Fidelity Investments. What if you could demand more from your money? What if you could make your savings work as hard as you work? And what if all of that helped you reach your financial goals faster. Well, it all starts with a financial checkup. It starts with an understanding of what you own and what you owe. You're going to get a very good look at that when you file your taxes. From there, Fidelity will work with you to evaluate your investment options and various ways to grow your savings. And you can get started today at fidelity.com slash demand more now. We are happily talking with CPA Maggie Clockingay, who we met because she is a active member of the Private Her Money Facebook group. Very glad to have you there. So for those people who have not started filing their taxes yet or even getting ready to file, what's step number one? Step number one is those envelopes that you're receiving in the mail. That's an important tax return document enclosed. Put them in a pile. Set them aside. Okay. And then? Then what you want to do is you need, want to decide, are you going to be filing on your own with tax software or do you feel that you need more assistance? Um, so what? what's your guidance there? It really depends. We have clients who file their own tax returns because they feel comfortable using the computer software. And really these days, Gene, the tax software is very user-friendly, very easy to understand. But there's some people who you know, the word tax just makes their skin crawl and they know they don't want, they don't understand it. And so in that case, depending on their income level, they can go and look for free tax assistance or they can go in and hire a CPA. If after they're done, people are looking at their tax bill and they're just saying, whoa, I I wish I had done something before the calendar year ended in 2018, or I wish there was something that I could do right now to lower my tax bill, are they out of luck or are there still moves that they can make? Well, there's still moves that they can make if they have not made a contribution to a traditional IRA and their income has not exceeded the limit, they're able to go ahead and get a deduction for that IRA contribution. However, they do need to let their tax preparer know that they have made the contribution. So if they file their tax return, they may need to go and amend just to claim that contribution, or 
They just need to hold off on filing their tax return. If they think that they see that they owe, you don't have to file it right away. You can wait a little bit. I mean, really, the tax filing deadline is April 15th. They can wait, make the contribution, and then go back into their tax software if they did it that way, put in the contribution, take the deduction, or they can tell their tax preparer that, hey, I went ahead and made an IRA contribution and make sure that they get that deduction, again, if their income did not reach the limit. Are there other contributions that don't have to be made until the filing deadline, things like 529s or health savings accounts, or are all of those calendarized? Jean, you actually can make HFA contributions up until April 15th of the following year, but it really is dependent on the employer. And so what we recommend to our clients is that they just make sure that they get their HSA contributions done by the end of that current tax year. Okay. All right. But those are the sorts of things they should think about for next year, right? Absolutely. They should absolutely. There's a few big facets of reducing your taxable income. You can make pre-tax contributions to a retirement plan at work. The maximum contribution actually is $19,000 for individuals under age 50. And for individuals 50 and older, they can do a catch-up contribution for an additional $6,000. So that's a reduction of taxable income up to $25,000. Do you feel like this year people are just more overwhelmed than they have been in the past because of all the changes? I do. I think that not only are taxpayers overwhelmed, but I think tax preparers are overwhelmed. And being a CPA, I think that if you are working with a tax preparer, either an enrolled agent or a CPA, just realize that the tax preparers are doing the best that they can under the circumstances. Um, they're overwhelmed and they have even more checklists that they have to fill out for credits that the IRS is requiring them to do. So everybody probably just needs to take a deep breath when it comes to taxes this year and hopefully it gets better next year. And maybe bake your tax prepare some cookies. And maybe, yes, bake your tax prepare some cookies. That it would be that would be great. Maggie Clockengate, thank you so much for being with us. This was really, really helpful. It's not typically how Kelly and I celebrate Valentine's Day, but we are very, <laughs> very glad to spend it with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Jean. It was a true pleasure. Kelly Hultgren, our producer, has joined me in the studio. Hey, Kel. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for teeing that up. I just, I love, first of all, I love that you made taxes fun. But beyond <laughs> that, I just am really happy that this community is bringing people that we wouldn't have known about to us, to the show. You know, if if people are listening and they're not in this Facebook group, yes. I think you're missing out. You and I'm missing out for sure. And I also think not to be too self-promotional, but we often don't stop and say, hey, we've got these things for you. You should participate. So it's true. If you're not getting the newsletter, mm -hmm. go to hermoney.com and sign up so that you get our newsletter. If you're not subscribed to the podcast so that it just lands in your phone yes. or in your computer every week, subscribe. And if you're not checking out the Facebook group, there are nice people in there. You're right. It's striking a balance of not sounding promotional 
and making sure we're letting our audience know of all of these free resources that we're making for you. Exactly. You know, they're free, they're for you, and the more you guys are involved in them, the better we'll make them because we need your feedback and we need your participation, and that's going to make better products for all of us. That's right. That's right. And we pay attention to the questions that are being asked in the group. We pull them for the show, but we also look at them and we say, oh, we're getting a lot of questions on this. We should do a show on this. Exactly. So with that in mind, you pulled tax questions this week. Yes. I posted in the group for the show, hey, we're doing a tax show. Do you have any tax-related questions for Mailbag? And I pulled a few. And for the few or the many, actually, that I didn't pick for this show, we're going to do a follow-up piece of content answering all of them. Fantastic. So if you don't hear your name or your question, don't fret. We will get to you. Okay. First, one from Molly. Can you explain what a backdoor Roth IRA is and whether folks whose income is too high for a Roth IRA should look into this? So a backdoor Roth IRA is specifically for folks whose income Uh is too high. It's essentially just another cooler name for a Roth conversion. So you put some money into a traditional IRA because you can do that no matter what your income is. You convert that to a Roth IRA. You have to pay the taxes when you convert. Oh, okay. But there is no income limitation on who can convert. And so if you want some Roth dollars, this is a good way to get some. Nice. We'll do one from Suzanne. This one's on college tuition. She writes, once the 529 has been depleted, is anything tax deductible? Assuming we will itemize, which now I am not sure about. She's also wondering if we contribute max to the 401ks, can we still contribute more to IRAs? Is there a salary cap to that? So two parts. So on the college 529 depletion question, I'm a little confused because you get a tax deduction for putting the money into the 529. And if you've got kids who are already in school or still in school, you can continue to make contributions into that 529 for which you get that state tax deduction if you're eligible during their schooling process. You can continue to put money in for grandchildren if you want after that. So it's not as if the deductibility vanishes there. So I think there may be a little bit of confusion there. A Roth IRA is also a good college savings vehicle because you can pull money out of a Roth IRA without penalty. There is no tax deduction for making the contribution with a Roth. However, you do get to grow the money tax-free. And if you decide down the road you want to use it for college, it can be a good way to go about it. And I just spoke so long, I don't remember the second (laughs) half of the question, so you're going to have to remind me. Well, and I just want to follow up because I want to understand this as well. So her 529's depleted. She could put more money into the 529 for her children who are still in college now and still benefit. Yeah, you can. It's kind of like an HSA. Like you can put the money in and take it right out and essentially get the tax deduction for the fact that you put it in. Okay. The benefit to a 529 is that the money has the ability to grow tax free. You don't pay any taxes on withdrawals, but there's no. there's no saying you have to leave it in there and let it grow. You can just put it in, use it to pay some college bills. Okay. And then her other question was, if we contribute max to the 401ks, can we still contribute more to IRAs? Is there a salary cap to that? No, you can. You just may not be able to contribute to a deductible IRA or a Roth IRA, but you can always make a non-deductible IRA contribution. Got it. Okay. 
But there are still those limits on an IRA too. Like there are limits, like there are limits with a 401k in terms of how much you can save. There's a yeah, limit yeah, for yeah. IRAs as well. Right, exactly. And the, the limit has gone up to six thousand dollars for two thousand nineteen. That is amazing. Love Plus that. another thousand if you're fifty or over like me. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> now we'll do one from Kimberly. I guess my question is more about tax software with the standard deduction increase. Does it make sense for most of us to consider itemizing? We barely had enough deductions to itemize last year. And if we are not itemizing, would it make sense to go with a less expensive tax product? It's going to make even less sense to itemize this year mm. if it didn't make sense last year. Okay. So as we talked about with Maggie, the standard deduction has doubled, Mm -hmm. which means itemizing is going to make sense for far fewer people. If you've got a relatively simple tax situation, I'm all for tax software. I am all for doing it, getting it done, getting it done inexpensively. And TurboTax has been my jam, Kimberly. I have used that every single year since starting my taxes. And It's worked for my case. I'm entertaining the idea of doing a tax preparer this year because I'm questioning whether or not I have the motivation to make the most of my refund in a way that I need to educate myself more on. And I don't know if I have the wherewithal or the interest to do it myself right now. So I'm entertaining that idea. What do you think a tax preparer is going to help you with with regards to your refund? I'm wondering if there are deductions or write-offs or just I have questions about whether or not I have been getting as much back yeah, as you can. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a that's a very, very valid reason to go to a tax preparer. You can also do your taxes yourself with mm-hmm. the help of tax software and then take them to a tax preparer oh. and have them checked. And that's often an, a less expensive way oh. to use a tax preparer. So do both. Yeah. Well, Hybrid. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like writing your own will with the help of will software yeah. and then taking it to a lawyer for a final check, which I think is a good idea. But there are other good tax software programs out there. Mm-hmm. Tax Act yep. is a good one. H&R Block yep. is a good one. There's a whole bunch. And for some people, depending on your income, you may actually qualify to use them for free or to use some version of the program, usually a a slightly abbreviated version of the program, simpler version. If you go to irs.gov, you'll be able to figure out if you qualify to do that. Great. And then Hannah's question is, which software would you recommend using to file our taxes, especially if this is our first time and we just listed off a bunch? We did. I should have done a better job of diversifying the types of questions. Sorry, everyone. No, (laughs) it is all good. And we'll do one more from Karen. I'm wondering if anyone knows if this is true. My husband and I file taxes jointly, which makes my income-based student loans still have very high payments. I was told that If we file separately, then I can use only my income for income-based payments, which would probably be far more manageable. Can anyone confirm? Um, True. Ah. It is true. However, in the overall scheme of your joint financial life, it may or may not save you money. So when you look at um, income-based repayment plans— as far as student loans are considered. There's something called the pay plan, P-A-Y-E, pay as you earn. And there's something called the repay plan, revised pay as you earn. There are actually eight different <laughs> IBR government options for repaying student loans. But the, the bottom line is that the repay plan actually takes into account your income 
and your spouse's income, regardless of whether you jointly file or not, the pay plan does not. So if you are thinking that this might be a way to save you some money, you should probably look into the PAYE plan, not the repay plan. And um, I would go to Student Loan Hero and run through a couple of their calculators to figure out if this makes sense for you. Thank you, Jean, and thank you to everyone in our private Facebook group. Again, if you're not in there, please join us and join in on these conversations that we're having. And again, we will answer everyone's questions for this show. Look out for the article in the coming weeks. That is a big promise, Kelly. But Kelly and I also show up and we do Facebook Lives. So you get to see us and Mm -hmm. talk to us in addition to just listening to us. In Thrive This Week, we touched on this a little earlier with Maggie, but it's an important point to bring home. If you're one of the many people who did not adjust their withholding last year. We think there are about 30 million of you, including Kelly, then it is time to do that. Why? Well, again, we can use the tax law changes as an example. The changes that many of us experienced in our paychecks in 2018 could put us at risk of overpaying or underpaying if we left our withholding rates as is. The former results in a bigger refund, the latter results in a tax bill, which if you were not planning for, could hurt your budget. Tax law changes aside, the IRS recommends people fill out a new W-4 each year or when their personal situation changes. That could be a divorce, that could be a marriage, that could be a baby, a change in dependence. The law is a really good reason for all of us to take a look. And while it is a little too late to do anything about the amount withheld in 2018, you can all use a withholding calculator at irs.gov to see if the adjustments are needed for the 2019 tax year in addition to the one at the IRS. Nerd Wallet has a nice one. We will post both in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining me today on Her Money. Thanks to Maggie Clockengay for the fantastic conversation. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. We record this podcast out of the lovely CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Track Tribe and our show comes to you through PRX. Join us next week when we'll be back with executive coach Lisa Lord. We'll talk soon.